Hello, sports fans, and welcome back to Sports Box. And we're here. The NFL season is here. And those are words that we've been waiting eight months to say, I would say. Um, but we're here, and it's a very exciting time. In fact, we are less than 24 hours till the Bills and the Rams kick off the 2023 NFL season. Um, and what a trip it's been to get here. Um, and, and we're going to break down some of the big storylines that we're in the off season, but are kind of spilling over into the regular season. Um, but first, I, I just I just want to get into it. Um, and obviously, college football has started. Uh, great first week of college football. I think there's a lot to take away. Um, I was I was considering putting in some college football um, topics in today's podcast. I thought maybe that would be quite interesting. But I realized as I broke down more of the things that I really want to get to because the NFL season is basically here. I, I just really wouldn't have time to dive deep into um, any of the teams. But I, w- I will give a little, uh, you know, antidote uh, that I, I think Georgia is the best team in college football right now. I think they're the best team in the nation. Um, I think the way that they just absolutely manhandled uh, the 11th ranked team, who is now unranked, Oregon, uh, was pretty incredible. I think Stenson Bennett and the offense looked a lot more fluid than it looked last year. And that was kind of the concern that everyone had. It said, well, you know, Georgia's this absolute dominant force on defense, but it's their offense that's holding the back. Look, they went to beat Alabama last year with an offense that was pretty stagnant. Yeah, now you have a year two Stenson Bennett. He's more comfortable. He doesn't have to worry about JT Daniels um, being kind of the guy that's like, oh, well, if you play bad, I'm coming for your job. So I think the Georgia offense looks great. Defensively, I don't even know how it's possible that they had 17 guys get drafted in last year's draft and somehow looked almost better than that defense last year. But that's, I mean, that's that's a whole different story. I think at the end of the day, it's going to be Alabama, Georgia in the national championship. Uh, but let me know what you guys think. But I do want to get to interesting storylines that we have coming in to the NFL season. Um, I will get to the Bills-Rams game. That'll be kind of a later debrief of, you know, first game of the season. Got to talk about it. Uh, but let's start with a team actually in the NFC West that is not playing the opening day, but it will be playing on Sunday, and that is the San Francisco 49ers. Um, I think the San Francisco 49ers have been one of those teams that, I mean, they've kind of been in the headlines throughout the offseason, um, whether it be with Trey Lance, uh, whether it be with Jimmy Garoppolo, whether it be with Kyle Shanahan for some reason wanting Mac Jones at three over Trey Lance, whatever it might be, the 49ers have been, without a doubt, in the headlines. And you've heard about the 49ers, you've heard about the Trey Lance saga, you've heard about the Jimmy Garoppolo saga, so it's nothing new to 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 everybody. Um, but I do I do think it's an interesting situation because of what just happened. Uh, we saw that Jimmy Garoppolo got his contract restructured for a one-year, $6.5 million deal. There's no trade clause. And and you kind of ask yourself, because if you look at, you know, at the end of the season when the 49ers had, you know, that sad loss of the Rams in the NFC Championship game, you looked at it and said, look, it, it seemed to everybody that Jimmy Garoppolo played his last game ever in just a 49ers uniform. Like, it, whether he was a backup or not, he was not going to be a 49er. Um, and that, that seemed the case for many people. Obviously, you had a guy that you traded three future first-round picks. You traded a lot of draft capital to, to, get, to get a guy in, like, Trey Lance. You had to play him the second year. You couldn't keep letting him ride the bench. And, and, and it was rightfully so. I mean, the 49ers in the past three, four years – while you can allude to Jimmy Garoppolo's success of games in the playoffs, he's gotten he's made deep playoff runs. I mean, they, how they made the Super Bowl three years ago, made the NFC Championship game this year. 
there is success to Jimmy Garoppolo's name, but the problem is there's always going to be that one play or that one drive or just that one thing that's holding Jimmy Garoppolo back, and that's just not coming up in the big moments. Um, now, obviously, the Rams game wasn't totally on his fault. Jaquise Tart should have caught should have caught the ball, um, but that's besides the point. The point is Jimmy Garoppolo is always going to be known for not finishing the job, and and I think if you move in the direction of Trey Lance, it at least gives you that chance to maybe finish the job. Um, so just looking at it is. Why the situation is so weird and, and why I think it's personally very weird is because you had a quarterback who, in the beginning of the offseason, you looked at the market and said, okay, there's quite a few teams looking for quarterbacks. Obviously, the, the big name was the Carolina Panthers. Uh, maybe if Tom Brady was going to you know, actually retire, maybe the Tampa Bay Buccaneers was an option. Uh, maybe Atlanta was an option. Maybe even Cleveland, even after the Deshaun Watson trade, that maybe, you know, maybe Deshaun Watson could possibly be done for the year, that maybe you move Garoppolo there. But all of a sudden, teams were making moves, spots were being filled up, Baker went to Cleveland, I mean, Baker went to Carolina, you know, the Steelers, they got Trubisky, um, the Giants, they wanted to stick with Daniel Jones, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers obviously brought Tom Brady back, um, and, and we'll get to Tom Brady into this podcast for sure, but the hole was closing for the 49ers to trade, and I feel that the 49ers brought this upon themselves, because you had a guy in Jimmy Garoppolo who is a proven quarterback. He's proven that he can win. Now, you know, he maybe he's not as uber talented as, you know, the younger guys and that's why he's, you know, not not a high profile guy, but he still goes out there, he wins games, you put the team around him. If he has any sort of talent, he's going to get you to the playoffs. Maybe not a Super Bowl, but I mean, hell, if you, you haven't made the playoffs in maybe 20 years, you would take the chance with that. So, for them to kind of be very lenient with you know Jimmy Garoppolo not being like okay right off the bat we got to trade this guy because we have Trey Lance in the building and Trey Lance is our guy and we don't want the distraction of Jimmy Garoppolo being in the locker room at all and I think that's going to cause a problem I I do think it's going to be a little bit of a weird situation because think about it if Trey Lance doesn't play well in the first six seven games and I'm and I'm not talking like bad in the sense that you know, he's he's had a few bad interceptions there, you know, not not growing pain mistakes, but mistakes that are like, okay, this team is going into the gutter with Trey Lance. We need that next guy. And then you can like turn to Jimmy Garoppolo and that's like Jimmy Garoppolo goes and wins you games and then brings you to playoffs. And then you're thinking to yourself, why did we draft Trey Lance at all? I mean, so I think just even having that option in the back of your mind, and obviously Kyle Shanahan's going to deny it, anyone's going to deny it, but in the back of the mind, it's like, look, if Trey Lance doesn't play well in those first seven, eight games, why not turn Jimmy Garoppolo? But that shouldn't be the option. That shouldn't be the option. Trey Lance should struggle. That's what happens with the young quarterbacks, but the San Francisco 49ers are right now in a position where they have to win. And, and not just not have to win, but they're in the contention stage where it's like, this team has been there. They have the team around them. Players are only getting better. They've added a few guys. Traverius Ward on that defense. You know, they, they've guys are getting better. Nick Bosa's coming back from injury. A lot of things are happening. So why not put out the best guy there? And I, and I feel that there's just this, there's going to be an ongoing tension between Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo. But enough about Jimmy Garoppolo because I do want to talk about Lance for a second because I think what we're seeing is very interesting. And obviously, you guys should go check out my buddy's podcast, That Football Topic. Sam, he does a wonderful job. Obviously, we didn't we didn't get to do our NFC predictions. Um, 
it's, it's been a busy few weeks, to say the least, for both of us. But he made some great points, but he did bring up a good point. Is Look, Trey Lance has only played 20 career starts in his whole entire football career at, you know, at, and, at North Dakota State. And then, obviously, with the 49ers, those combined, it's only been 20 starts. So, and what, we, what we've seen from those 20 starts, I would say, is a mixed bag. You know, we, we've seen some positives. I would say in this preseason, we saw a lot more positives than negatives. He made some very nice throws in that Green Bay game. And overall, he just looked a little bit more confident. Look, I'm not, I'm not a football, you know, I'm not a quarterback guru. So I don't know every technique. But I will say, just looking from it, his throwing mechanics don't look the best. I, I feel like there's a hitch in it that he should fix. It, it feels like... Because when he has that hitch, he seems to just either overthrow or just not even really hit the receiver at all. Um, and, and maybe that's a problem that you could fix in the offseason. Obviously, like I said, I'm not a quarterback guru, but I, I do personally notice a hitch that he has. And, and I feel as if that's something that might affect how he plays later down the road. But besides that, I, I, think, I think there's not a lot we can say right now. I, I think with 20 career starts under your belt... It's still a mystery. Now, we know the talent that he has around him. He has Debo Samuel. He has George Kittle, who is obviously still dealing with injuries. Why wouldn't he be? Uh, Elijah Mitchell, who obviously had a great rookie campaign. I expect the same. Maybe not as, you know, wow, but, you know, still a really very good rookie campaign. Um, you know, you have Trent Williams to block. You know, you have Brandon Ayuk, who I'm, I'm hoping on. I mean, I'm, I got him on my fantasy team, so... Not only am I hoping for a really good Trey Lance here, hell, I'm hoping for an MVP Trey Lance here, uh, if, if, if anything. So I can get a Brandon Ayuk, you know, maybe a great player right there in Brandon Ayuk. So to me, it's a lot of mystery. Um, but obviously, you guys didn't just want to get on this podcast and hear that I'd say it's a big mystery and not give you anything. I personally think Trey Lance is going to play well. I think he's going to play well. I think what he brings to this 49ers offense is something that Kyle Shanahan has wanted for the past four years with Jimmy Garoppolo another option in the running game this san francisco 49ers team is probably one of the most dominating teams when it comes to the rush attack i mean they they, they're just scary alone with their rushing attack and then you bring in the fact that they got debo samuel at receiver who's almost just another version of a running back so that alone is scary but adding a guy like trey lance who has that ability to really, really stretch the really stretch the defenses and say, I mean, look at this guy. He has a fantastic arm, and, and we saw it in preseason. I mean, one of those throws against Green Bay where he put it on the money, he can make those throws. And it's only going to become more ro- routine as he does it more. But then he has the ability to run the ball. And not just run the ball, but really run the ball. I mean, the, the, if, if you watch Trey Lance run the ball you are seeing a true runner in a running back. I mean, the way that he's able to find the hole and hit the hole, it's pretty beautiful to watch. So I have high hopes for Trey Lance. And I'm not saying, because here's the thing. Here's the thing. I think it's it's very funny with what people are doing with Trey Lance. It's either Trey Lance is going to be a complete bust or he's going to be the MVP. It doesn't seem like there's a middle ground. But I'm going to be the person to say there is a middle ground. In fact, there's a little bit above the middle ground. And I think that's where Trey Lance is going to stand. I think he's going to be good. I think, look, this is the great thing. And this kind of reminds me of, you know, I might be getting a little biased right here, but a Dak Prescott rookie year, right? When Dak Prescott came into the league, he had the talent around him, but nobody knew really much about him. 
I mean, yeah, you knew what he did in college. You knew what he did in the four years at Mississippi State, and there's no taking away from that. But no one really knew what he was, what he could do. And I feel that's the same with Trey Lance here. He has the town around him, and no one knows what he can. There's not a lot of film on him. There's not a lot of film on it. And to me, Kyle Shanahan, being the guru that he is, he's going to take advantage of that. Every week's going to be like, oh, well, Trey Lance could do that. Oh, next week, oh, oh, I didn't even know he could do that. That wasn't on film. So I think it's going to be used to his advantage. Now, how far will they get? I'll, I'll, I'll talk about that later in the podcast. But I do want to move on. I do want to move on to, actually, Tom Brady's backup court. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo's, you know, man that he was backing up in New England. I don't know why I said that. So weird. But that is Tom Brady. Now, to say Tom Brady had a normal offseason would be an understatement. Because Tom Brady... I mean, it, it, Tom Brady's always in the news, so there's there's no getting around that. But Tom Brady this year was really in the in 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 the headlines. He was in the news circuit. Tom Brady was always being hurt, and I think everybody thought, even myself, that he was going to retire after that Rams game. Now, clearly, that short-lived retirement. I mean, if, even if you want to call it a retirement, that hiatus, that short-lived hiatus, um, really put people in shock. I mean, it was kind of a mixed bag when he retired. I I was in the belief that he's done. He's called it quits. It's over. And then some people were like, no, I mean, he's going to come back. So it was interesting when he came back and it was like, oh, whoa, okay, Tom Brady's back. Like, what is happening? And so no one really thought too much about it. And he came back. He went to OTAs. Everything seemed to be normal. But then he took an 11-day hiatus midway into the preseason. And then that's when people got a little interested. They said, okay, he did unretire, but he's going into an 11-day hiatus in the middle of the preseason. Now, if you're not a football fan or even if you're not a sports fan, that's a weird thing to do. I mean, it it doesn't even matter that it's Tom Brady. Hell, if it was Michael Jordan, if it was LeBron James, to just randomly take seven days, and, and supposedly it was pre-planned, um, is what I've heard. It was pre-planned. But still, to take it off in kind of the middle of the preseason? And it's not like... I'm not saying this is like, oh, wow, like Brady's losing snaps. No, because, I mean, does Brady even need offseason snaps? He doesn't even need preseason snaps. But it's the fact that, you know, you're in this moment where you're, you're, you're building the team. You're building the team. You're building the team. You're working. You're working because you're getting to what we have tomorrow, NFL football. But So to just randomly take, I mean, not randomly, but to take this 11-day hiatus, I think it raised questions of, okay, what's happening with Brady? What's, what's up? And I think everyone first thought, okay, is, is everyone in the family okay? Is there, you know, is it's God willingly, is there, you know, a death in the family or someone's sick? Um, but none of that, none of that happened. None of that happened. Now, look, I, it, it, and some speculate he went to, you know, Cancun or something. Um, he took a vacation with his wife, Giselle, maybe the kids. Um, but this is where it's interesting because... The, <laughs> This is a sports podcast, right? And and the more I thought about it, I was like, okay, I, I want I want to really be 
that guy that really just focuses on the sports. But I think this story goes a little further than just sports. I think I have to put on my TMZ cap. I think I do. I think I have to put on my TMZ cap. And I'm not the one to really dive into someone's personal life. That's their business. Tom Brady's personal life is none of my business. But there does seem to be a little bit of a conflict between Giselle and Tom Brady. And the conflict is that Tom Brady unretired. Now, this had seemed to be kind of, and this isn't new. I think for a lot of people, it kind of seemed that, you know, Tom Brady's 45 years old. I mean, he's playing well past anyone probably could imagine an NFL player's passing. And and at the level that he's playing, I mean, we're talking MVP level. Last year, he had 5,300 yards, 43 touchdowns, which both were career highs, by the way. Um, So, unreal. Unreal numbers. So, he's the, the fact that he's... Brady's amazing. I mean, that, that's what I'm trying to say. But it did seem like the past few years that it was like there was this tension building between Giselle and Tom Brady. Now, like I said, I don't I, I, I'm just speculating here. I'm not I'm not giving you the facts. I don't know exactly what is happening between Giselle and Brady, but there does seem to be a conflict. And another tidbit of what I've heard is she has not returned to her home in Tampa Bay. Now, <laughs> This is funny because I, I I could really go down a rabbit hole and really be like, oh, there's trouble brewing, which I think there is, and and I really could go down that hole, but I don't want to. I'm only gonna see. I'm only gonna talk about what I see, and what I saw was Tom Brady give a press conference and be the most relatable I've ever seen him been. In fact, I've actually probably seen an, an NFL player been the most relatable I've ever seen. Um, obviously, I can't repeat the exact quote that he said. But he said, to put it in simpler terms, there's a lot of stuff going on, right? There's a lot of stuff going on. And it kind of just paraphrasing is he kind of said, you know, we're all humans. We kind of, we all have stuff going on. We all have stuff going on. Um, and that's how it just works. But what I took away from that press conference is that he kind of looked tired. He looked tired. And you might say, well, Jude, you know, he's an NFL player. He practices. I mean, that's common that he's going to be tired. But he looked he looked a little skinnier and he just he looked like he had been through a lot been through a lot and so that's where i go back to the giselle thing is and as much as i don't want to fall down it that can play into someone's you know professional career now is it going to drastically affect the career of tom brady and really you know season wise like the buccaneers are going to be bad no no i think they'll, they'll be just fine but I do think it's an interesting story because are we truly seeing the end of TB12? Like, like honestly, think about it. Think about it. Have and, and you can go watch the clip of Tom Brady. You can go see the quotes that he said. I don't think I've ever seen Tom Brady in this state. It seems like, and now no doubt in the 22, 23 years that he's been in the NFL, he's definitely had a lot of stuff going on. But when they publicly speak about it, that's where you're like, okay, they, they've got some stuff going on that raises an eyebrow, that raises an eyebrow. So with Tom Brady, are we seeing the end? Like, are we truly like, I'm curious if this is it for Tom Brady, no matter what happens. And I'm a firm believer that Tom Brady has to finish on top. Like, I I think if Tom Brady ever wants to retire, he has to win a Super Bowl to finish on top. 
But is this potentially the last ride? Is this it? Is this it for Tom Brady? Now, I don't know if he would ever publicly say that. But I have a feeling, whether or not they make the Super Bowl, he's going to make an announcement in March or April of next year, and he's really going to call it quits. He's really going to call it quits. And I wouldn't be shocked. There, there's too many things that I've seen recently with Tom Brady, this 11-day hiatus, the retiring and unretiring, the, you know, the, the whole Giselle thing. There's, there's plenty of reason to believe that this we could be heading towards the end of Tom Brady and this era of just greatness. So that's where I stand at it. And, and here's the other thing. The Buccaneers aren't as good as they used to be, or at least as good as they were last year. Tom Brady's going to be playing up with a, a banged-up offensive line, right? I mean, you think about it, Ryan Jensen went down. Um, they got a starting rookie at left guard. So they're really out there, you know, trying to make the most of what they, they can do at the offensive line. Chris Godwin, he's he's going to be out at least for four games. Obviously, Julio Jones sounds like Julio Jones is – he's kind of back to shape. They lost a few safeties in, you know, uh, Whitehead um, in, in – in, and free agency, it's not the same Buccaneers team that won that Super Bowl two years ago. So I, I, I truly do ask myself, is this the last we'll see of Brady? So, you know, obviously the Cowboys, Buccaneers play Sunday night, and, and I, I'm, I'm truly interested to see how Tom Brady plays. I mean, I mean, it's a guy that he's been here for 23 years. Uh, he's been, you know, top of his game all 23 years. I mean, think about his rookie year. He... He won Super Bowl. Um, so I, I, I'm very curious if, the, if, if this is the last ride. And, and I, w- I want to know what you guys think. I, I think there's potential for the last ride because, like I said, there's so much right now that we've seen with, the, with everything that does make me think, like, wow, we, we truly might be seeing the end of an era. Like, we, we might be seeing an end of an era. So that's where I stand with Tom Brady. I think it's a very interesting story to keep following. Does his play diminish? I don't, I don't think that. I don't, I'm not going to go as far as say that. But I, I, I do think we could potentially see the last game that Tom Brady plays. So why not the Cowboys beat him on Sunday night? And it'll be you know the only Cowboys win against Tom Brady in the 23 years. So that's how I feel about it. <laughs> um, okay, moving on to our last big topic. You know, it's it's interesting with projections, right? Everyone makes projections. They love it. And I love projections. And I'm going to get to my projections. So I, stay tuned. But there's one division that I keep seeing. And I don't know if I've missed something or something's gone crazy. But it feels like maybe it's not a consensus. But there feels like there's a large majority of people that are firm believers that the Green Bay Packers have the NFC North with ease with ease and I and I and I sat and I and I I heard somebody on the radio talk about it and I sat I I was like do the Vikings not exist I mean I I I was truly curious like I mean if, if you're saying that the Packers are going to win the NFC North with ease you must think that Aaron Rodgers is just Jesus I mean, I mean that's that's the only way I see it. I mean, that's the only way you could probably see it. If you have them winning with ease, you have to think that Aaron Rodgers 
is Jesus. I mean, I mean, th- there's no other way. I mean, the team lost Devontae Adams. They lost Darius Smith. Their offensive line, it's all right. They don't have a true number one receiver. I mean, yes, Alan Lazard, he's good. Okay, he's good. No disrespect to Alan Lazard. But is he a number one? I, I don't think he's a number one. You got two rookie receivers in Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson. And unless they have amazing rookie years, uh, they're not receiver ones. Your running backs, Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, they're great and they're good. But I wouldn't say they're true difference. I mean, I mean, if you don't have a number one receiver and Aaron Jones is going to almost be your number one receiver, I don't even feel safe with that. Defensively, you know, you got pieces like Jay Alexander, Devondre Campbell, obviously, you know, had an all-pro season last year, so he played great. But I look at this Packers team, and I'm saying, okay, are they really better than the Vikings? The Vikings are bringing in former um, former OC for the Los Angeles Rams, Kevin O'Connell. And if I know anything of guys that are coming under the McVay tree, um, it's that they are studs. Okay? It is that they are studs. I mean, he worked with Kyle Shanahan as well. I mean, you got to think about it. This guy has worked with some of the brightest minds in the game today. In the game today. Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay. I feel like, you know, we always talk about the branching, the, the coaching trees of Parcells and Belichick and... You know, I'm, I'm, I'm blanking of other names. You know, maybe Bill Parcells is the biggest name that I could think of. The coaching tree of Bill Parcells, maybe Tony Dungy, um, guys like that. But I think there's truly, and I wouldn't say it's more of a coaching tree, but more of a, a group of coaches that have seemed to rise their ranks and people under them have also been very successful. So what I'm trying to say is Kevin O'Connell, he's young. Uh, he's only 37, which I think that makes him one of the youngest NFL coaches, if if not the youngest, close to McVay. You got Dalvin Cook. You have Justin Jefferson, who, I, I mean, it's unbelievable that the, the, the absolute hype that is coming into this guy in his third year, and respectfully so, I'm not, I'm not trying to diss Justin Jefferson, but, I mean, there's a lot of guys that are calling this dude the best receiver already in the NFL. Now, whether I agree or disagree, I'm not going to get into that. But I think he's he's up there in the ranks. There's no doubt. I mean, he's a fantastic quarterback. Okay? I mean, receiver. What am I saying? You have Kirk Cousins at quarterback. Now, not, as I like to say, an uber-talented quarterback. He's not a guy that flashes off the screen. But he has the talent around him. He has the talent around him. Your defensive line, I mean, your offensive line, it's a hit or miss. We'll see how it plays, and it's going to be a big... It, it is going to be a big factor on how far the Vikings want to get. You got Zadarius Smith. Um, you have Danielle Hunter on the other side. If those guys can stay healthy alone, I don't see why this team cannot win the NFC North. I, I, I truly don't see why this team... And in fact, I don't see why they can, can't sweep the Packers. Like, I, I, I truly don't see why they can't. This is a young team... You know, if Dalvin Cookie stay healthy, health is the big thing for the Vikings. If they can stay healthy, this team's going to win the division. That's how I see it. I mean, I mean, that's truly how I see it. I think they also brought in Ed Dantel, who's their defensive coordinator. He's a guy under Vic Fangio, 
And, you know, what you could say whatever you want to say about Vic Fangio in, in Denver, and obviously he didn't have the very successful year that he had, but you're bringing in Ed, on Ed Dantel, who every destination that he's gone, he has improved the team massively. He's improved the team massively. So bringing in a guy like that in a, in a defense that's kind of, it's been shaky last year. They actually ranked very bad under Mike Zimmer last year, who is supposed to be a very defensive-minded guy. I think you bring new faces in. A guy like Ed Dontel, he knows the scheme. They're going to run a 3-4. You know, you're going to have Hunter, uh, Danelle Hunter. You're going to have Zedaria Smith on opposite sides. Guys, I don't know why they don't win the NFC North. I really don't. Okay, before I get into my NFC predictions, before I get into my predictions, I'm going to tell you, my prediction for tomorrow night or today i whenever you're listening to this the bills versus the rams now the bills are coming in as with the most hype this season in fact i wouldn't even say most isn't even the right word to to describe how how huge how absolutely huge the expectations are this year. I mean, I would say the expectations are massive. Absolutely massive. I, I mean, I have not... I, 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 all the bets are being placed on the Bills to win the AFC, to win the Super Bowl. It's crazy. Respectfully so, though. Josh Allen, he took a huge step in his past two years. Stephon Diggs, he's great. The running back thing, still a little shaky. I think James Cook might be RB1 by the end of the year. Defensively, they're great. I mean, it, everything about this team is great besides their punter situation and what, you know, obviously the, the terrible, you know, uh, the acts that Matt Ariza did. I don't, you know, obviously haven't. And not, we're not going to get into that. Awful. They don't got a punter, whatever. They're, they're, Matt Barkley's going to go do punting for them. And then you have the Rams. Now, it's gonna, you're going you're gonna to laugh when I give you my NFC predictions, but I'm going to take the Bills in this game. And I'm purely going to take the Bills because I do have worries about the Stafford injury. I do. I, I think there's, there's reason to be concerned. Now, how big of a reason? I don't think it's monumental, but I think there is a reason to be concerned. I think with an elbow injury to a guy who likes to throw sidearm and just an elbow injury in general to a quarterback doesn't always play out well. Um, I, I, I think we're going to see it in this game. I don't think it's going to be a thing that's going to bother him the whole season. But in the first game of the season against a really stout defense in the Bills, obviously Von Miller, the newly acquired Bill, former Ram. I, I, I'm going to take the Bills in this one. Um, and if you're a betting guy at two and a half, I kind of like the two and a half for the Buffalo Bills. I do. I, I, I think the Rams are good, but I don't think Cam Akers is the same. And I think that Stafford injury is really going to linger. But I think it's going to be a hell of a game. I think it's going to be a hell of a game. And it, it better be because I've been waiting for football for so long. So it, it better be a great game. All right. To wrap this podcast up, and, and I, I've kind of... So it's funny. When I, when, when I first started, I, I kind of did the shorter podcast, 5-10 minutes. I like doing the longer podcast. It gives me more to talk about, and I like I just like talking, and I like talking sports, so why not? The NFC predictions. 
And I laugh because as I was telling you about Stafford and Cam Akers and my concerns about the Rams and how they probably won't win week one, I still think they're going to be the best team in the NFC. I still think they're going to be the best team. I mean, defensively, they're amazing. I mean, you got Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald. That's all I got to say. Um, offensively, like I said, I don't think – I think the Stafford injury in maybe week one is going to be a problem. But in general, I don't think it's going to be that much of a lingering issue. Obviously, the strength of schedule isn't something that's like – they're going to struggle a little bit. Their strength of schedule is a little bit rough. In fact, they have the hardest strength of schedule this year with a their opponent's win percentage of 56.7%. Um, so I have the Rams at one. And then I have the Bucks at two. And I and I sound I must sound so convoluted because I was just talking about how Tom Brady was maybe have his worst year this year and this might be the last ride. But it's still the Bucks. It's still Tom Brady. I have belief. And the reason is also because all the rest of the teams, I just can't see overtaking any of these teams. As much as I want. As much as I want. Coming at three. Oh, and I'm, I'm going to hear it. I'm going to hear it. And I want to hear it. I have the Cowboys at three. Now, you might ask, why do you have the Cowboys at three? I mean, they lost Mark Cooper. They lost Randy Gregory. They lost Leo Collins. I mean, they, they basically lost a lot of their roster. They lost Cedric Wilson. Why don't you have them at three? Well, I have them at three. And obviously, they're winning the division is what I have them in this prediction. prediction is because who's at four? I think the Vikings are going to be at four. And like I said, I think the Vikings win the division. I think they do. But the reason I have the Cowboys at three is because I think they'll have one, two more wins than the Vikings. But they have one of the easier strengths of schedule. I mean, if the, if the Cowboys, and I'm being honest, if the Cowboys can get out of their first five weeks sitting at three and two or four and one, oh, man. Oh, man. I mean, that's a 13-win team. I mean, I, a four and one is like wow. I mean, four and one is really wow. I mean, you have the 49ers, you got the Rams, you got the Buccaneers, you got the Bengals. I'm sorry, you don't have the 49ers, but um, you, you got the Rams and, and the Bengals and, and and the Bucks. So I mean, those three games alone, if, if even if if they somehow win all three games, I mean that that your ride to the playoffs high. Um, but what I like about this Cowboys team, and, and I don't think it's at the offense. I think the offense, in fact, probably takes a little bit of a step back. Obviously, they have to. Um, I think CeeDee Lamb's still going to be that guy. But I think defensively, we haven't seen the true defense for the Dallas Cowboys. I, I, I'm telling you guys, I think Michael Parsons is that dude. I, that's all I'm going to say. I think Michael Parsons is that dude. I think he's a spectacular player. Um and I think he's going to cause havoc this season. So I have, the, I have the Cowboys at three. I have the Vikings at four. Um, at five, I have the Eagles. Um, and in fact, I'm going to be honest. I, I wouldn't be shocked if the Eagles won this division. I really wouldn't. I think the Eagles um, have done a hell of a job this postseason. I mean, offseason. I mean, the, just getting A.J. Brown alone was big. Getting A.J. Brown, obviously they brought in um, Gardner Johnson, C.J. Gardner Johnson from the Saints. Um, they had a really good draft. They got Nicobe Dean. They got Jordan Davis in the draft. Um, this team can, and, and they got they got Devontae Smith coming back for a second year. This team can make a run. And and I, and look, I'm I'm not I'm be, I'm being truthful. I'm not saying this for jokes. I, I truly think the Eagles are a very talented team. And like I said, I wouldn't be shocked if they win the East. I personally think the Cowboys will because at the end of the day, it comes down to Jalen Hurts. Do I think Jalen Hurts is that guy that can lead them all the way? No, I don't think he is. Can he prove it? Yes. I think any quarterback has a chance to prove it. And 
hell, I mean, I'll give him the first seven weeks. If he looks first seven weeks and he's, I mean, he's out there and throwing dimes at dime after to AJ Brown to Devontae Smith, um, you know, to Dallas Goddard. I mean, if he's just throwing dime after dime to all these dudes and you know Darius Slay and and you know the def- defense is looking really good, why why can't this team win the division? Why why can't they? But I have, but it's like almost like Trey Lance. I have to truly see. I have to see Jalen Hurts when he has talent around him. I can't, I can't go too much off last year. In fact, they even made the playoffs last year. So adding the talent around Jalen Hurts is only helping the case to win the NFC East. Moving on. Got the 49ers at six. Got the 49ers at six. I've already explained my Trey Lance case. I think he's going to be good. But it's not, and I'm, I'm not going to dive deep into the 49ers because I already did that. But it's about that seventh spot. Because I think the seventh spot is very interesting. I think there's two true competitors for that seventh spot. I think the Packers, and as much as I said that they don't really have an offense and they're going to be very unsuccessful, it's still Aaron Rodgers. He's going to find a way to win games. If you look at their strength schedule, you know, they're 22nd in strength schedule. I don't see them playing. I mean, they, they play tough teams, but overall, besides the Buccaneers, the Bills, the Cowboys, the Eagles... You know, the Rams, they don't have a terribly tough schedule, okay? They, they don't. And it's Aaron Rodgers. He'll find a way to win this game. So I have the Packers at seven. But I, I want to say that I think New Orleans and the Packers are interchangeable for that seventh spot. I have the Packers, but I can I can more, I can realistically see the Saints getting that seventh spot. Hell, they may get the sixth spot depending on how Trans plays. So my takeaways are Rams and Bucks are going to finish on top. Cowboys Vikings, I kind of I think I see they're in the middle pack. I think Eagles are either win the division or they're gonna be the highest seed in the wild card. Goes either way. Um and yeah, I think that I think the, the the Saints and the Packers are very interchangeable for that seventh spot. And and if you guys are curious, the teams that are in the hunt that obviously I didn't name, I think it's three teams that are really in the hunt, at least for this year, is Carolina, Arizona, Detroit. Maybe throw the Commanders in there, depending on how they do this year. I mean, they're really down there in the hunt. Uh, same with Detroit. I think I know. I know there's a lot of hype around Detroit, and there's a lot of potential that they have. But Jared Goff is their quarterback, and I feel like people forget that it's still Jared Goff. Um, I like Carolina. I think they're going to be just. I think they'll be good. Maybe not good enough. Um, and Arizona. I mean, I mean, I'm not a big Cliff Kingsbury guy. As maybe that pains a Texas Tech fan to hear that, or an Arizona fan to hear that, but. I I talked about Kyler Murray in my last podcast. He's a really good quarterback, but I don't know if he has what it takes to take the next step. Um, and, that, and that's where I'm going to end it, guys. I've had a great time doing this. I'm back. I'm actually here in college. This is my first ever college podcast, uh, so it's very exciting. And it's great to be back and talking football. Um, yeah, I feel like we covered a lot today. Anyway, guys, thank you so much for joining me on today's podcast, as always.